Hey, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. This is Quentin. We re- I recorded another episode. We did. I had my brother on the podcast, my older brother Jonathan on the podcast. Yeah, he didn't make fun of me too much, even though he talked a bunch of smack about the Cardinals beating the Cubs because he's a Cardinals fan and I'm a Cubs fan. But that's what happens when you're from Southern Illinois, man. But this is, I call this my Joe Rogan-esque podcast because this is just me and my brother just talking baseball. We didn't really have a plan, but I know we talked about baseball rivalries. We talked about rookies. We talked about like rookies that are playing now and doing really good. We talked about the draft. We just talked about a lot of different baseball stuff. And uh, it was good. It was fun. So enjoy the podcast. I hope you like it. Thanks for listening. Jonathan, thanks for being on the podcast. And hey, let's get into it, guys. Here it is. All right, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt. I have my older brother, Jonathan, on the line. What's going on, man? No, much. I'm just getting ready for the, the watch the Cardinals beat the Cubs tonight. Yeah, yeah. We're going to really have to make this episode quick because, like you said, the Cubs You said the Cubs are going to beat the Cardinals, right? That's what you said, John Lester. No, was, no, you get no? that backwards. Did I get it backwards? Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's flirty pitching. Okay, we've um, hit the 22nd mark. We'll but see but you guys get, next but you week. you got Lester, though, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we got Lester, man, and Lester scares me because he'll start a game and you'll watch him pitch and you're like, dude, Lester is like the undertaker of like WrestleMania. Like no matter how old he gets, he always puts on a show. And then a couple, he's had a couple starts recently that have looked a little shaky. Uh, but yeah, I trust Lester and I like Lester. Like John Lester is the Cardinals' Adam Wainwright, I feel like. So yeah, him and Flaherty tonight. So. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it seems like Lester and Hamill call. They always pitch good against the Cardinals for some reason. Dude, Wayne um, Wright does too. Of course, there's this thing about you know interdivision play. The Cubs could be playing awful, or the first go around, then the second go around, the Cardinals are playing awful. But then they they play each other and they both step up their game. Um, <laughs> they do every yeah, time. No matter how bad one team is, they play each other like it's the World Series. Dude, because um, like, what do the Cardinals have? Like twelve World Series titles. And the Cubs have two, but the lifetime series between the two teams is nearly 50-50. And at one point, the mm-hmm. Cubs had beat the Cardinals more than the Cardinals had beat the Cubs. And I'm like, how's that even happen when, like, Steve Traxel was your number one starter for, like, three seasons, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's crazy. Dude. Yeah, it, yes, it, it's never mattered how bad one one of them is. They will always play each other tough. Hey, man, and I'll tell you what, this year they have been playing each other tough, man. Like, I would say since 2015, like, I had kind of been, like, not out on the rivalry, but it didn't really strike me as, like, a strong rivalry. But I would say, like, this year so far, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, which you know the the disappointing things. If there's a disappointment in the Cubs and the Cardinals this year, it's been pitching. Yeah, um, inconsistent. You've got higher ERAs, a lot of home runs, especially from the Cardinals side. They'll they'll look good, and all of a sudden you slip three home runs fly out of the park. Um, but for some reason, they they keep it in check when they play each other. There's not a there's not a lot of runs been scored this mm-hmm. year compared to some other series. 
Um, but hopefully Flaherty has his game on and uh, you know, goes out there and gives six innings of shutout ball and uh, sends your, uh, gives your Cubs another loss. <laughs> you're so kind. The best guest uh, I ever I have am. on the but show. Yeah, I, I am because you're. Go- I think we're going to see in your series. We're going to get to see. Um, I'm, I'm going to mess up his name, his first name, but Edmonds is his last name. But Tommy Edmond, Tommy Edmond. Um, luckily, Jed Jerko got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I like Jed Jerko, man. Uh, no, I do, but he is—he is. He is uh, we have a nickel holding up a quarter here. Ah. Um, no, Jerko is—he's a good utility guy, um, but he is—he's holding up two or two or at least two players better than him in the trip in AAA right now. Um, and the, the first guy line up to come up is is Tommy Edmond, um, who's better defensively, and he is on fire with yeah. his bat right now. Um, he's leading the Memphis Redbirds in hitting, um, so I'm really looking forward to him getting there. See what he can do um, in in the majors. Uh, I think he will be a good, an even better utility man to help them finish the season. Um, give those guys because he can play all three positions on the infield. Oh, that's all three good. Play not all three, all, all four of them. Yep, yep. <laughs> And oh, I, I figured you just made... short. That's why I say three, because I doubt he'll ever get to play short. Oh, um, but I just assumed he, he wasn't going to play first, so he could play short if he had to. Yeah, well, I, I think they will um, – I would think they would, with him being there, they would – if, if Goldschmidt needs a day rest, they won't move Carpenter. I think they put him at first and let him play first, just leave Carpenter at third. Yeah. Let's not move him. Um, he's committing a whole lot less errors when you don't move him around a lot. Yeah. Um, so just let, let him stay on third and, uh, and, and put Tommy on first because he can cover it. Um, and that way he can cover, he can cover Goldie's day off and, um, he can cover Wong's day off and, um, he can cover Carpenter's day off. Um, he could, in theory, he can cover the Young's day off. I mean, he can play any position on the infielder. Dude, those guys, the teams these days, I think that makes baseball so fun to watch because all of these utility guys that come up one they're so valuable to the team when you look at like stuff that like the Tampa Bay Rays do with like zero payroll but two like I've seen that a ton with like Javi Baez just playing every position those guys are so valuable but they're also so fun to watch well your Cubs have you know Chris Bryant's been in the outfield a lot Chris Bryant's been playing Bodie on third but you're the the errors of the Cubs has skyrocketed, has it not? Dude, and you think uh, that's because they're moving their players around so much that they're not used to being in the same spot? You know what I think what happens? If you ever, like, sometimes with, like, a reliever or, like, a closer, their ERA will look really high, and it's only because they have, like, two or three bad outings and the rest have been good. The Cubs committed, I wish I remembered what, it was the Atlanta Braves series. It was, like, the second series of the season. They committed, like, seven errors in one game, and it was awful. So I don't think that it's super bad. I don't think it's as bad as it looks. I just think they had a really bad early stretch. But obviously, like, I guess it could make a difference. I know I've seen Kyle Schwarber in the outfield. He's, I think once he made, like, two errors on a play. So Kyle's, like, still sort of Kyle in the outfield. Chris Bryant's a very serviceable outfielder for sure. So I would say it's, like, there was for sure, like, a spike and just they had, like, bad days because they started the season two and seven. And that was right after the Atlanta Braves just beat the crap out of them. And they were just making errors left and right. So I don't think it's too bad. I, I kind of know what you mean with that, though, because I sort of get frustrated with Joe Madden sometimes because he doesn't – a lot of times he won't let guys play every day. And then he moves guys in different positions every day. 
And, you know, when you look at, like, first-round picks like Ian Happ and Albert Almora, who, like, hit nothing but ground balls or strike out all the time, those guys have never been given a chance to play every day. And I don't like that because I feel like you can't develop that way. Yeah, and because and, he's not been extended yet, has he? Who? Um, you, you, the, the coach, the manager of the coach. No, he's – they. what do they no, call he, it? Like he, a lame duck season, man. So he's just playing for – yeah, he's a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah, and it's it was because he's not had a bad season. You know, I mean, they talked about last season being a, a down season for the Cubs, but look at the competition. I mean, Madden had two two other good teams against his Cubs. Um, at one point, the the Cubs at towards the end of the season, the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals had what three out of the best four records in National League. Yeah, um, going into the end of the season, and that that was it's a tough it was a tough division. It's a tough division this year. Um, but maybe he's just done. I don't know. I don't know if it's the Cubs are wanting to move on or he's wanting to move on or maybe it, they both do. I don't – I sometimes, like, I look at it and I'll say, well, for sure a manager has a shelf life in a clubhouse, and sometimes you just need, like, that breath of fresh air. But I got really angry – not angry because I'm not a Yankees fan, but Joe Girardi led the Yankees in 2017 to the ALCS – and they pushed the Astros to seven games. And then when that season was up, they did the same thing to Girardi. They didn't renew him. And then the following season, the Yankees only make the ALDS, right? And my thought behind that was, why would you, like, disrupt that clubhouse? Like, you've got this group of guys and this manager that have been through all of this, and then you sort of want to pull that rug out. So part of me looks at that with Joe Madden, and I'm like, oh, well, if you get rid of him at the end of this year, like, maybe you set the team back because – You've got these guys in a clubhouse that have this, like, cohesive, you know, bond and friendship in the clubhouse. Like, sometimes I don't like removing that manager, but Mike Matheny leaves and Mike Schilt comes in, and look what you have. Yeah, but Matheny was there quite a bit longer than what, what – this is, is this Madden's fifth year, fourth year? What is this? Madden started in 2015, so 15, 16, 17, So this is his fifth year, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a pretty short stint. Um, you, you know, of course, you know, I know I know baseball has changed, but you think back into the the eighties and nineties, people were there for the career. <laughs> Sparky oh. Anderson, Whitey yeah, Herzog. That's I right, mean, man. It, you know, it was a little surprise that Joe Torrey was ha- his stint in St. Louis was as short as it was, but it was it was a decent one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but but yeah, I mean, people were there for a lifetime. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Paul Molitor, he was he was NL or shoot. Paul Molitor for the AL, Minnesota Twins yeah. was AL Manager of the Year in 2017. Then he got fired the next year. I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, no, no love there. But um, then their new manager comes in. Who is it that Rocco Baldelli and the Twins? Can you believe the Twins most of the time have the best record in baseball? It's crazy to me, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll stay there. But I think last year everybody thought they'd be better than they were. Yeah. Um, you know, Santa was playing disappointed. They had a lot of talented pitchers. Um, that were basically just running into some bad luck. Um, yeah. But 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 they had and and their minor league has been talented for a while. Yeah, it has, man. Um, yeah, it's but yeah, the, I don't think they're, they I don't, they won't finish here. I don't think they'll finish as a, as a top three team in the AL. No, um, only but, but maybe they're, because they're, they play in the AL Central and that's like pretty weak competition because the Indians aren't playing. Oh, it, it is the weakest all. in Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's the weak, yeah. Um, so yeah, they may, they may, they'll probably hit, they may hit 90 games, but that's because they're, they're playing teams in their division, what, 18, 19 times that are just awful. Yeah. Awful teams. Yeah. But Hey, listen, man, I know me and you have talked about Lucas Giolito in the past. Have you seen any of his starts recently? 
I just see him flash up that the kid is finally pitching how he's supposed to be pitching. Hey, his, dude, his last four starts, he went today like seven and two-thirds, and he's been doing that a few times this year. And I'm like, finally, because I always would get worried about the White Sox. Like, man, they got all these young guys, and nothing's really happened like with their pitching because like Carlos Rodon can't stay healthy. Reynaldo Lopez looked kind of good last year. But Giolito, dude, okay, so he threw seven and a third. Oh, he threw seven and two-thirds today, threw seven and a third last week, and then threw eight innings and nine innings. Oh, crap, hold on. One, two, three, four, five. His last seven starts, six of them have been seven innings or longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, was, he was the, but just probably what, four years ago, the, the number one pitching prospect. Yeah. He was in baseball, you know, oh, one yeah. time when the Pirates had, you know, that's even over Callian and uh, Jameson, you know, it was yeah. it was still Giolito was the man. Yeah. And yeah. he just didn't do it. Washington basically, you know, they thought he would be that third strong starter for him, gave up on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, and it looked like he was going to be a bust in Chicago. Um but he's finally doing what he was supposed to be doing all along. Yeah, he is, man. Um, he looks good doing it. He'll but then keep... again, he's he's in good company. Uh, we we had talked on the phone previously how, you know, uh, Greg Maddox got off to a fairly slow start yeah. to being a Hall of Famer. Little Tom Glavin wasn't even that good of no. a start his first three years, two years. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's so it, I guess that encourages teams not to give up on your players quite yet, especially those pitchers are got a lot of. Uh, potential dude and there's so much to learn you know with like sometimes you have to throw new pitches and then you're facing like this big league talent you have to fool them I mean it's never been more scientific to be a pitcher than ever Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that it would it could take a guy two or three years to figure it out I mean Jake Arrieta had that phenomenal 2015 and then he's pretty much a bum now but he had like two or three really good years in there yeah, he's not quite a bum yet. Oh, dude, <laughs> he's, had some, he's had some good games this year. Um, but they but no, he's not. He's not. He's not that Cy Young elite pitcher anymore. But. Hey, man, what did you think about him ripping Bryce Harper? Do you remember when that happened a few months ago? Yeah, um, and that, and I remember his his own fans booing Bryce, um, but Bryce seemed to accept it. Yeah, um, but now, he they, like he did. You know, especially from the fans, you know, they they pay me a lot of money. For a long time, and I'm not playing good. Um, I don't, but he's picked up. I think he's got his OPS over 800 now, I believe. Does he? He's, okay. he's, he's turned it around. I've always felt like with Harper, man, is it's like his numbers, like sometimes they'll look pretty because he's such a streaky hitter, but his, like his contributions to the batting order, I think oftentimes just won't show up on the back of his baseball card. You know what I mean? When you look at him mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, like last year, 249, 393, 496. People like kind of, you know, look at that 249 batting average. You're like, hey, man, that's really bad. But I do, th- I still think, man, to this day, he affects a lineup like crazy. Just oh, he because does. they know no, he pitch, can do. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if you look at like the, um, I think last year he was number two and balls thrown to him. Um, he just doesn't get pitches to hit. No. And of course, he wants to hit. Um, so a lot of times, he swings at pitches he shouldn't. But um, overall, he walked a whole lot last year. Um, but he, he's uh, he, he's going to be a you know multiple multiple all star in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's and he's not going to be because nobody's going to be Mike Trout except maybe with Vlad 
um, junior with the bats, but yeah. Vlad wanted to be won't be able to compete with him on base running and fielding. There's yeah. only one Mike Trout, and we've wanted this rival to Mike Trout, especially on the East Coast, run the National League, and mm-hmm. we just you're not going to get that Mike Trout. And, and perhaps we've tried to make Bryce be that rival to Mike Trout. And yeah. We want to have our Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and we just don't got it now. There is no equal to Mike Trout as good as we want Bryce to be. He just can't. He can't live up to the expectation we put on him. Um, he's a he's a great player, um, but he's not going to be Mike Trout. And Mike Trout is bonkers, dude. I read the most interesting article like two days ago. They put it on ESPN, and it was basically this account of how the Angels got Mike Trout and how he actually dropped to the twenty fifth pick. Which is crazy because the best player of our generation was drafted 25th. There were guys ahead of him that, like, never made, you know, the major leagues that are out of the game. And part of it was apparently there's, like, a Northeast bias with, like, baseball players when you're picking them out of, like, high school and college. Or really high school. Like, high school ball players from, like, the Northeast, like, Jersey and stuff because the competition mm-hmm. up there is so bad. So that's how he dropped down because nobody well, that's would how really – yeah. that's, that's how the Cardinals got Alex Reyes, too. Um, oh really? You know, cause, yeah, because he was he was he was a Jersey boy. <laughs> mm, okay. And and they, they snuck up on that very talented pitcher that no one else got. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of what happened. Like a few people would go up to see Trout, but like nobody really paid much attention to it. But I think the two guys that noticed were the scouts for the Angels and then Billy Bean noticed for the Oakland Athletics. And Billy Bean had like the 18th or 19th pick or something and picked someone else instead of Trout because he's like, no, I'm just not going to do it. Because like I think three or four years before that, there was like a no-doubt pitching prospect from the Northeast who just like never made it past single A. And they were like, no, we're not doing it again because the competition's up there so bad. But the yeah, Angels were, like, hardcore on him because, listen to this, apparently, like, there was a Cardinal scout that told an Angel scout about Mike Trout. So he went to see Mike Trout and was like, oh, my gosh, like, this guy is fast. He's got a cannon of an arm and has a phenomenal makeup. And it was just wild how he dropped that low. And the story behind it, super interesting. Yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm glad we could help him out. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. But, oh, but dude, yeah, like, dude. But you right. mentioned um, so Vlad Guerrero, man. So I, have you watched him a lot this year? No, no. I, I watched him in the beginning, and he was struggling. Um, yeah. But I think in his last, you know, his um, man, the probably the last two weeks, he has played much different um, yeah. than when he first came into the league. Yeah, he is. It looks like he's coming around. Like I guess, like. His average, what I found, I looked at his numbers, and I was like, his batting average on balls in play is, like, super low. And I'm like, oh, that must mean he's probably not hitting the ball real hard. So when it comes to, like, the hardest hit pitch in all of baseball, John Carlos Stanton has the hardest hit ball, and Vlad Jr. has the second. So you're 100% right, man. Like, Vlad's starting to come around. Like, his slugging, his batting average is going up. Um, But, like, I think he's just probably figuring out how to, like, barrel these big league balls, man, because there's no doubt he can hit the ball really hard. So. Yeah, and I was I was looking at um, some of his 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 metrics. They the most, they're throwing him away down and away like they do so many people. Yeah. But the vast majority of pitches are going down and away, and he struggled with that pitch for so long. A lot of it due to his launch angle, and he's changed yeah. his launch angle, and he's able to hit that pitch now. Um, he's got two home runs from that location, um, which he just he couldn't touch it um, for a while. And then also, he's, one he's still got to work on is the high and inside. Um, okay. 
that they they tend that's about the only hole left in his bat if you want to call it that. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, he, no, he he tears it up with the bat, and he will be um he could potentially be an MVP one day just with his bat alone. I bet, man. Um, his his defense is is I think he'll probably finish the season with a negative war on defense. Yeah. Um, he, he's a little slow. I mean, I mean, or. He's a little, he's a little chunky. <laughs> he, he, he's like, I he's wondered like, how you were going to say that. I was like, I know he's going out with this. Like he's thick. He's thick. Man. I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, he, he's just a, he's just a, a cheesecake away from his last name. Having to change it to fielder. Yeah, but, buddy. <laughs> we're, we're not oh, that bad. Man. Not that bad, but you know, it's a, he's a little heavy. Um, and I, and I, and I really wonder how, how that's going to affect you know, the knees in the long term. Him playing third base. Good thing is he's in the American League, so he can he can go to DH. He could DH. And apparently, he's got a really DH. good arm. I don't know if that means he could go to the outfield, but I think he has a strong arm. But maybe just like the glove isn't super strong. Yeah, and that's one thing. You know, the of course the Blue Jays had him in. He started the season in Double A last year, I believe. And of course, everybody was screaming, "He needs to be up in the majors." Well, yeah. his bat was good enough, but he had there's there were some defense concerns. Yeah. Um. And they, I don't. I really don't think they were they were manipulating the time. You know, trying to keep him from that extra year because he didn't come up at all last year. Um. They were really working on that defense. Um. You know, the exit velocity of the balls are much different from single and double A, and they're in the major leagues. That ball doesn't Big come near as fast off those bats. No. Um, and and they were developing him. It wasn't you no know, like we're trying to cheat. You know, we're trying to cheat this player out of something. They wanted to make sure he was ready. The bat was there. Um, the glove. I still don't think the glove is quite there, but it, he's good enough. And but that that bat will offset any errors or any mistakes he makes on defense. Yeah, 100%. I mean, because you figure it out. Like, he was, he just turned 20 in March. He was born in 1999. He doesn't even know. He didn't have to prepare for Y2K, you know? So, like, if you didn't have to prepare for Y2K, and then, you know, you, you're young and you can, you know, hang out in the minor leagues, man. But uh, yeah, that's crazy. And I think one of the most impressive things about him is if, like, what you said is happening, like, he's changing his swing and changing his bat. And if we start to see him like adjust his bat sort of like on the fly, those are the things that make Mike Trout so good on offense is because – and even when Trout came up at first, he spent like the end of a season with the LA Angels and he was awful, you know, and he learned to like adjust and that's what makes Trout so successful with the bat is because like when – he had to adjust to I think like a high and inside strike and all that stuff mm -hmm. and adjusted to it really well and – you know, when Vlad, when your dad used to – did you ever see Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. hit that ball that bounced in front of the plate for, like, a single or a double? Yes. Yeah. Like, when your dad does that sort of stuff, you figure the genetics aren't far, and he probably taught you pretty good. So Yeah. Um, I, I do like his dad's swing better. His dad just had a beautiful oh, swing. Oh, I love his dad's um, swing, and his dad's but, arm but, from the outfield. It's amazing. But but his, his – and all realistically, his son is – Vlad Jr. probably does have a more – I call it. I don't know if it's traditional swing. Um, I think he. One thing that's going to be his strength. He will be that hitter you can't use the shift on, because of his stance. He's, he's a Miguel. It's it's. Watch a film of Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. That it's almost identical. He will hit yeah. anywhere he wants to. I think you know he doesn't have to pull. Now you got somebody yeah. like Matt Carpenter who's a fantastic pull hitter. Well, you just put the shift on him, and. 
you know, it was a complete accident. He hit that walk up against the Cubs. He's even looking yeah. the other way, <laughs> and the ball just happened to go opposite field. Yeah. He didn't try to do that. Yeah, it was just an accident, man. Try to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but Junior is going to be able to do whatever he wants. He's he's going to be the Mike Trout of with a, Mike Trout equivalent with a bat. He, he's going to hit it where he wants. You know, shift ain't going to do you no good. Um, fantastic hitter. And say it took him what eleven games to fix the issue of the down and away. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can fix fix a problem in eleven games, there's there's major league hitters today with with years of experience who can't do that. No. Mike Carpenter can't hit against the shift. No. You know, it's and he's been there for years. And you know, Vlad Junior takes eleven games and yeah. figures it out. <laughs> Dude, it was like Ryan Howard, man. I some people say that's what killed Ryan Howard's career was the shift because he just couldn't adjust to it. Mm-hmm. And I read an article last year where it was actually it was an article on ESPN.com and it was interviewing players about banning the shift. And they interviewed Matt Carpenter and interviewed Daniel Murphy. And both of those guys were like, listen, if you think it's just that easy to hit it the opposite way, like you're out of your mind because that's just not how it works, you know. And then to see a guy be able to do that sort of thing, you just stand in awe because you're like, how are you doing this? when you've got hitters like Daniel Murphy and Matt Carpenter and like Ryan Howard and Chris Bryant who are really good hitters, but still can't hit into the shift. And it's like, dude, that's just the elite of the elite. Well, not, it is. It, you have to, I mean, you'd have to redo your entire swing. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, Car- Carpenter's always pulling his shoulders. You can't hit opposite field when you're doing that. Um, you know, and, and Guerrero has, Guerrero's more squared up. Um, so he can get some power to opposite field where Carpenter most of the time is not going to be able to. Um, but, but yeah, and I say, I don't think, I don't think Bryce Harper is going to be as effective opposite field as, you know, Guerrero Jr. will be um, just because of his stance. Yeah. Um, I'm really surprised uh, Cody uh, Bellinger is as good as because he, he puts yeah. his uh, front leg out a little bit too. So I'm actually surprised he is batting. Is he, is he still at 370? He's still, yeah. <laughs> I checked two days ago, and he's still at 370-something. And I'm like, everyone's talking about Christian Yelich. And I'm like, hey, guys, we're like two months into the season, and he's like closer to 400 than he is 300. Like, what's happening? Yeah, and it's just his third season, right? Yeah, it's his third season. They platooned him a lot last year, so I think it sort of messed him up. And this year they were like, hey, like I think we just have to like play Cody, and they're playing him. Yeah, and that's why they now they, they they dumped a lot of their outfielders, and that's one thing they yeah. came in with. Like, we're going to not totally abandon the platoon system, but we're going to let our players play. Yeah, because um, I think that hurt David Freeze a lot in a, a Max Muncy, um, and of course those outfield players. I think it hurts them. Um, you know, it would be like you know, in David Freeze's case, it would be nice to see that pitcher more than once. <laughs> You have to, man. And in this game right now, like that's what Joe Madden does a lot. So you see these managers always platooning their guys. So at, like you have Albert Almora, who's a, a phenomenal defensive center fielder and was like a fifth overall pick. Ian Happ, I think, was a fifth overall pick the following season. But both of these guys were like heavy platoon players. So they wouldn't let Albert Almora face righties and then they would just bat Ian Happ I guess with easy pitchers because he's a switch hitter and then those guys just sort of didn't develop and I've looked at it like listen like if you're telling me I can't hit lefties and then you want to sit me on the bench every game I don't think you should do that like you should let me hit lefties and just try because Mm -hmm. 
if you're one, if you don't let me hit lefties, I'll never learn. And then two, if my coaches are always telling me I can't hit lefties, then I'll just take that back. I just can't hit lefties then, you know? And I, I, I agree with what you said, man. Throw those guys in the mix and let them hit. And just, I think my one through eight should be the same a lot, you know? Yeah, and that's worth that. I think, which, and, he, and he's had an okay season, but, you know, Jose Martinez with the St. Louis Cardinals. I love Jose he needs He needs to play yes, he every does. day. He bats he over 300. A he's a good player. hitter, dude. He's like, he's got the wildest batting. If anyone's listening to this, and, have, <laughs> and if, you, if you're listening to this and you've never watched Jose Martinez for the St. Louis Cardinals bat, please do it. It is the best batting stance in baseball right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's so aggressive up there. He's just like, oh. he's got a batting stance of like somebody who's just playing wiffle ball in the backyard. Who's just like he geared does. up, like bring the heat, man. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I think, I think so. he, he drinks so much coffee. I think he just can't stand <laughs> he looks like, um. he, he looks like, he looks like he drinks like a jug of coffee a day, like straight up. Like oh, he, he just his... filled a milk gallon jug with straight up coffee and is like, let's go. Uh-huh. He may drink that. I think he owns his own <laughs> coffee company. No now. way. I didn't know something. that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he does. His family's from Venezuela. Okay. Um, he's from Venezuela. Yeah. And, of course, they have all kinds of you know, negative impact of socialist. The, the country's in a bad place yeah, right now. Yeah, it is. And so he, he's doing whatever he can to make money to That's take awesome. care of his family. That's awesome. And Yeah. Dude, I love Jose Martinez. But, I'm one of the no, weird he, guys, he man. Being like a Cubs fan, I like a lot of Cardinals players. Yeah. And uh, – um. There is a lot of young talent. Well, the, the Cardinals and Cubs both, which I, I know a lot of people, especially the Tampa Bay Rays, have a lot of young talent Good developing guys. and coming up. But you know, the, the Cubs and the Cardinals both have these young players. Um, Cardinals more so on the pitching side. Cubs more so on the, with the bat. Yeah. Um, but you could see potential side young winners, MVPs. Chris Bryant's already got one. Um, you know, uh, multiple All-Stars. There's a lot of young talent coming up in the, in, in the Central Division with these two teams. Players that are or are, have been raised by the franchises, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a uh, Chris Bryant. If it wasn't for Arenado, would get a whole lot more credit. He's had, he's had a pretty good season. Chris Bryant has he he quietly not Nolan always Arenado. has good seasons, but Nolan Arenado's on a different page. Like Cubs fans get really mad when people are on Twitter and they're rating the best third baseman in all of baseball, and if Nolan's number one, Cubs fans hate it and. I did it first until, like, I opened my eyes, and I was like, dude, like, I like Chris Bryant, but Nolan Arenado is on another page, and it's not a chorus field effect. He's just good. Yeah, even even his defenses. I mean, he, he, defense. I got onto him early last season because he was struggling early last season. I yeah. think he got the all-star break with a negative war that yeah. turned it around. He just, he just had some bad, bad games. Um, but, no, he is, he is good defensively, and his bat, he bets against yeah, so he bets – he bets fantastic on the road too. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And he's got a he's got a little bit of a wiffle ball backyard stance in him too, man. Where he's like not as like much as Jose Martinez, but dude, I like the way he stands at the plate, man. He's up there, he's aggressive, he's energetic, and I love it, man. Mm-hmm. But listen, yeah, Mike the- Schmidt said said uh, Mike Schmidt says this a lot, but a, it was a couple years ago on MLB Network, and Mike Schmidt was like, listen, like he. Nolan Arenado is going to end his career and be the greatest third baseman ever. And that's coming from Mike Schmidt. Um, and he truly believes that. Yeah. Well, you know, and I've not thought about them. I'm, I'm having to think of somebody who was good on both sides of the plate for this long. 
I mean, you've got people like Scott Rowland who are good for a smaller window and injuries get them, you know. Um, yeah. But but if he can maintain this defense and offense, it's hard to find a player that was that was that good for on you know on the field and at the plate at that position. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's kind of like. Paul Goldsmith a little bit in the sense of like he hasn't won an MVP so if you look like at his baseball reference page you might be like well that's weird but it's just because you know he's sort of like Mike Trout right as well like every year there's a player that's better than Mike Trout but Mike Trout is like that king of consistency so season in and at the end of every season Mike Trout might not be the best player because this one player is having a great year and that's what's happened with Nolan, and that's why he hasn't won an MVP is because there's just a player every year that just busts out and does it. But when you when you get to the end of these guys' careers, like Nolan will be an all-time great. Like it'll be like like Nolan Arenado, Mike Schmidt, Brooks Robinson. I guess like those are the first like third baseman <laughs> I can think of where I'm like, okay, those are like legends. Yeah. Um but a lot of the MVP race, a lot of that is um opportunity like especially like rbis yeah um you need somebody on second or third most of the time yeah for you to get those and uh of course he does he does got some good offensive players on his team too he's got blackman and trevor story yeah dude trevor story's better than what i thought he is man like i did i don't watch like a ton of rockies baseball but i remember him from his rookie season when he came up and bashed like 14 home runs or whatever like in 25 games but he game in and game out dude he's a good shortstop trevor story is yeah and, and I, I don't i'm gonna have to look and see if colorado had another top shortstop prospect i don't know if they still got him or not and i cannot think of his name mm. hold on i wonder if i can search it quick enough they might i don't know much about i'm honestly one of the things like i was pretty excited to go through like the draft stuff but I'm not super versed on prospects. Like a lot of the teams that I'll watch, I know, like I know um, the Cubs picked up a guy, Nico Horner. I know him. Then the, uh, the Cardinals have Nolan Gorman, who's phenomenal. And then the Tigers have that kid, Casey Mize, who almost threw like two mm -hmm. no hitters in a row. <laughs> or, I think it was like, it was like 18 innings or something ridiculous. <laughs> 18 consecutive innings of no hit. Yeah, he or was, did. It, was it perfect? Did he walk anybody? I don't know if he was did it, or not, but it was like nuts. And yeah, it was like, he didn't throw two no hitters in a row, but innings wise, it was over two no hitters in a row, but he threw one official no hitter as well. Um, and that's crazy. And he was the first overall pick, I think, like two years ago. And mm -hmm. then, dude, they say the guy that the Orioles picked this year, this Adley Rutschman guy, apparently he's the real deal. Like, really good. Yeah, it makes me. The, uh, it makes me uh, nervous when everybody drafts a catcher that high. But, you know, he is good. Um, but, uh, Catchers are – with pitchers are injury-prone, too. I know that. But catchers – man, it seems like they never work out when <laughs> you draft one high. You know what a lot of – like Mike Piazza. Yeah, it, my, oh, yeah, that's when your catchers work out. When you're when I was, like, researching for the podcast day, I was like, hey, I'm going to dig into, like, some draft stuff. And I, I knew that Mike Piazza was, like, drafted low. But I, not, I was never, like, a huge Piazza fan. But there, he was picked 1,390th. <laughs> in a baseball draft what the heck like that's crazy Todd Van Poppel was 14th and he was awful like come on 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, um, yeah, and that's what makes because you know your catchers, you're going to have some yeah. Unless here's the thing with a catcher, unless one you're a Molina and it's in your blood, because anyone with the last name Molina is just gonna be a good catcher, and that's what it is with this kid that got drafted number one. His dad is like a catching coach, so I think that helped out a lot in the way they describe this Adley Rutschman guy. Is he's like a Mike Trout type? He's like super selfless. He's really good, and they love his makeup because of like what he does in the clubhouse. So he's like one of those like. He's a little quiet, but he's like a, you know, um, like prove it by like example, like leader by example type thing. And I think that's what a lot of it did with um, them picking this catcher number one and feeling so good about it just because the way he's described is like this person who just, um, you know, influences other people in the clubhouse to the extent where like he can change the whole, you know, mindset Mm -hmm. in the dugout. And I think that stuff is so huge. And I've always thought like in this, um, era of like stats and advanced data that not enough people look at what a guy actually means to the clubhouse. Kind of like what we were just talking about where people are like, oh, like Bryce Harper is a bum. Well, Bryce Harper might not be like a leader, like, you know, Mike Schmidt or Anthony Rizzo or Matt Carpenter or whoever, but like he still has an influence beyond the numbers. And I think that's what a lot of we'll see with Adley Rutschman is just his, I think his numbers will be good, but his influence is way beyond the numbers. Yeah, and that's big for that is big for a catcher. That's one uh, um, the uh, Carson. I can't think of anything. Cardinals traded him off. Oh, oh man! Yeah, no, he's on my fantasy team. Carson, Carson Kelly. Kelly. Carson yeah, Kelly. Carson Kelly. Yeah, um, he has a great locker room and plate presence. I know they had it. They now they got uh, we got uh, Kisner who was you know near as good. Yeah. Um, with the behind the plate and with the bat, but. He didn't have that experience. That, that he wasn't proven that leadership quality. Yeah. Um, so that was made a little nervous letting Carson Kelly go, but you now that helps you get Goldschmidt. Um, but yeah. the thing with you no, know, and I know I'm, I'm maybe down in that catcher position because you know it always seems like you don't know where the good catcher's going to come from. Um, it, it could be Mike Prouser down low, or you, you, they, they come from anywhere. I mean, Wilson um, Contreras wasn't even a catcher. He was like an infielder, and they converted him yeah. like in single A. And that happens a lot of guys, too. Well, they, they'll get guys that are kind of athletic and can hit, but might not have the best glove. And they'll be like, hey, you can hit really good. Why don't you just convert to catcher? Well, because if you're a catcher and, that can hit, you got a job immediately. Well, Andrew Kisner with the Cardinals, he yeah. wasn't a catcher I believe until he got to the minors. Yep. And they converted him. So, I mean, that may, and. And I think a lot of it, you know, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., who was number two, um, he's a high, I know he's a high school player, but he is he has all the makings of a five star tool player. He, he's going to be fantastic, and yeah. it would just be hard for me not to take him number one. Um, I mean, the kid he he would pitch from the mound into the mid nineties in high school. Um, of course, he's going to be shortstop, um, yeah. but he can do anything. You want him to do that includes the pitch. <laughs> he would do anything, um, and it, it'd be real, he's a rare talent. And it just it, it's Kansas City Royals got a fantastic player in uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Oh, I'll be pumped to see him then, man. He was out of high school. Yes. He, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of research on him. I've heard the name though and knew he was drafted second. Um, so I'll have to check that out for sure. So yeah, I guess that's probably what the first. I don't know any other. Like, are there? Do you know of any other off the top of your head, like game changing guys that you like that were picked this year besides like Bobby Wood Jr.? 
No, you've got you've got a lot of good shortstops. Um, the the San Diego Padres drafted an Abrams um, out of high school shortstop too. This draft was loaded in shortstops. Oh yeah, there was. Um, a, I did see that there, there was, was a guy. Um, man, I don't know who drafted him. A Nunez kid that got drafted pretty or decently high on the first day that was a shortstop, and he looks like he's got a good glove out of high school. Yeah, and the this I think this look I think the second shortstop in the draft as well was a high schooler. Yeah, yeah, Abrams was a high school yeah high school senior. He's number two drafted shortstop. Um, another fantastic talent. There, there was a this was the year of the shortstop. <laughs> yeah. um, and also a pretty good year for left-handed pitchers. Um, one uh, even now the SEC SEC had a lot of good um, left-handed pitchers. Um, the most notable one, in my opinion, is one of the St. Louis Cardinals got Zach Thompson. Um, kids already got four good pitches, mm-hmm. which is extremely helpful when you want to get somebody to the majors. Yeah. Um, and he will, I, I, he'll be he'll be in the majors in probably three years, I think, because he, he is he is almost ready at this point. Um, with the, the, the and, he, and he pitched in the SEC, which is a tough area to pitch in. It is, yeah. And he and he dominated. Um, I think he pitched like 80-something innings at 130-something strikeouts um, and was just tearing it up. Um, four, four good pitches. Um, he'll be good. Um, he, he, I don't know if he – I don't think – but you never know if anybody could be that Cy Young winner. But yeah. it would not – the expectation is he is that number two starter in your rotation. Um, okay. He's that number two guy. Um, and he's a left-handed pitcher, something St. Louis desperately needs. A, a strong left-handed pitcher, yeah. and of course they got Genesis Cabrera, which looks like Genesis, but I think they pronounce it Genesis they Cabrera. They do, they do, yeah. Um, he, he's got he's got a lot of talent, but he wasn't ready. They brought him up way too early this season. Um, but between him and Zach Thompson, Cardinals in the next two or three years could roll out some good left-handed starters um, and help that already loaded St. Louis pitching staff, who's not quite turned it around yet, but they're all young. And learning to adjust yeah. to the majors. St. Louis can pick. They know how to pick pitchers, man. Um, the Car- the Cubs finally picked a pitcher with, like, their top first-round pick. And they mm-hmm. got the guy who throws the hardest in the draft. So they just went for, like, straight velocity. Um, <laughs> I wish I, I – I wrote the guy's name down at some point. I don't know. It was, oh, Ryan it was, Jensen uh, is just, his name. Ryan yeah, Jensen, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they – they... They took him higher than most people thought he would. Um, he was he was projected top 100, but he was late 100, and they took him first round. And he was not expected to go first round. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but I guess they're they're looking at that potential um, of developing that control. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's um he, he he's going to be a working project. You know, maybe but hey, he may turn into what they want Michael Kopech to be. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Cubs picked a guy. A later round guy, Dylan Cease, who's in the White Sox system now because that's how they got Jose Quintana, and he looks like he's going to be really good. And Dylan Cease will probably come up, I think, this year because he's got like a a really low like 1.3 ERA in Charlotte right now. Um, and that's another guy, obviously, who just wasn't drafted, but he's going to come up and be really good, I think, this year. But the Nationals, this was the only pick I saw live. The Nationals picked a guy named Jackson Rutledge with like the 16th or 17th pick. And they say he's got the best fastball slider combo in the draft. And he is absolutely ginormous. <laughs> he looks huge. And I think I oh, I think he's a high school kid as well. Um, but he looks like a grown man. <laughs> um 
And you know the Nats may have done no, pretty he, good with he that did, too. He did junior college. Oh, he was a junior. He had some junior oh, college that's experience. right. He was a junior yeah. college kid. Okay, he did yeah. go junior college. Yeah, I saw like him as being a good pitcher. Then apparently the Blue Jays got some kid named Alex Manoa, who dropped down lower than what he should have been. And the Blue Jays picked him up. And a lot of people say like that's a pretty good pitcher. And then ah, the only other guy I remembered, I know there's um. Since we talk about the the newest rages juniors with like Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, mm-hmm. Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, Bobby yeah. Witt Jr. Listen, Glenn <laughs> Allen Hill Jr. was drafted by the Diamondbacks, so let's not forget that his big husky dad <laughs> swinging home runs. He failed the steroid test once, I think Glenn Allen Hill did, but he also hit the longest home run at Wrigley Field ever. I think it went like a block away, like 580 feet or something like that. It's hilarious, and Glenn Allen Hill. Hits this long home run at Wrigley Field, and he's running the bases. And he's got this huge upper body, dude, just ginormous. And he's got, like, these – he's got, like, his tight pants on with, like, these skinny little legs just running around the bases. It's the funniest thing ever. Yeah, but but going back to that Jackson Rutledge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's almost Randy – Randy Johnson tall. Yes, he's yeah. a 6'8", six, 6'8", eight, six, eight frame. That's how tall um, he is, a 6'8"? Six eight. Oh my gosh! And his, I saw he my... has a, and of course he's got a, he's got a good you know he's got a good slider and he's got of course he got his fastball but his curve, he's got a plus oh, curve. He's got a plus curve. Pitch. So he's already get, he's got three pitches, already in his arsenal and you get him that fourth. Now he 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 develops a changeup which he's going to need in major. Yeah. He's going to need a changeup. Um, he, he's going to be tough if he can develop that changeup without you know looking like it's a changeup. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If he can hide it in his delivery, um, he will be a tough pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you know who else has four pitches in their arsenal and might get called up this year? Brendan McKay. <laughs> Listen, dude. I, I heard that. Yeah. Day. I was uh, um I was uh watching his first AAA game, which it's I was watching it today. Okay, um, you got logged in and it worked. May. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, but the, the announcers are talking about like they're expecting a, sep- a, a late September call up of him. Hundred um, percent, I would do that a hundred percent because they so they'll have him on an inning limit, right? Because when he was in college, yep. he would start like every six days, and so his innings have been ramped up really slow. So if they just watch his innings in AAA, he'd be perfect to bring up because mm-hmm. then if you're going to get Tampa in the postseason, just let Brendan McKay be your Madison Bumgarner, this new kid that comes in and just does pretty good. I think it'd be awesome, mm-hmm. man. I, I hope they bring him up, and I bet they will. They say his bat. And if you're listening to this and don't know who Brendan McKay is, he is the two-way star. He was last year's seventh. When did they was, pick him? Third, seventh, something. It was, he, was, he was the fourth pick. Fourth pick, and he's a stud out of Louisville. He pitches legit. He's got like a 1.39 ERA this year across double. Oh, I got the numbers. Across double A and triple A, 1.39 ERA with a 1.93 FIP. And that's that's fielding independent pitching. All that means is that's what his ERA would be if you took all of the luck out of the equation. So if a guy's got a 1.93 FIP, he's real good. Yeah, and he's he's actually moving up a little faster than I thought he yeah, would. He um, I thought he would play most of the season in Double A just so they could develop his bat. But he was he was, man, he was he was near what 800 OPS um, and pitching yeah. as good as he was. And um, but you're right, I think they're looking at him to get him in the pitching role this season. Um, and they do have him on that inning count. He's, he, his yeah. innings are going to be limited in, in the minors just because they're looking to bring him up. Um, but his bat is there, um, and they have basically laid out the plan. He is going to be Otani. 
He's going to I love he's it. going to pitch. He's going to take a game off. He's going to DH. That makes me um, so that, happy, dude. I love that they're going to do that because I think that I think that's so important for the game as a whole, just to make it fun to watch. But I think they should do that with a lot of guys, man. I think these guys are better athletes than what you think, and I mm-hmm. love that we're going to get to see him go legit two way. Yeah, yeah, it's really. I mean, Hunter Green was another uh, potential two way player, but he's yeah. in the National League with the Reds, and yep. he has. They've stopped. He's not batting, and. You know he's 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 already probably too far behind to you know make up that. I mean he may he may pull some you know mass and bum garter bats hit a home run every yeah. now and then when he comes up. But um, the fact that they haven't been having him DH in the minors is disappointing because the kid could flat out hit. Yep. Hey, um, yeah, but hey, you know what I like. So what I noticed when I watched that Brendan McKay start, he works fast. And he's a finesse pitcher. I don't think he's a power pitcher where like his uh-uh. speed is going to fail him. He only throws like he's what is he consistent on his fastball like ninety three, and he gets guys to swing yeah. through it. He's got phenomenal fastball command, and that sort of reminds me of like Kyle Hendricks, who's when he's when his fastball command is on, he's golden because he can still strike guys out, but he'll get guys to. Uh, to hit into contact, right? And that's what a lot of, like, Mike Maddox teaches in St. Louis because he likes pitchers that will, like, pitch to contact. It keeps their um, keeps their pitch count low. So I mm-hmm. do. one of the things I like about McKay most is he reminds me, like, of Kyle Hendricks because of his fastball command and how he can get you out and strike you out with, like, less than elite velocity. But he works fast, really fast. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because he's in the minors and they teach him that way. But one of the I love when pitchers work fast. Like Mark Burley was a very fast worker. Even like the game he threw his perfect game, he didn't shake off the catcher once and just kept on throwing. And I love pitchers that work fast because some pitchers like you Darvish, they say they prefer to work slow, but I feel like that fast work just like eases your eases like the pitcher's mind and keeps them from overthinking and then it yep. also puts that trust in the catcher and then when you've got a really good backstop good things happen yeah and it's um but yeah and mckay usually keeps about three or four miles an hour in the reserve tank that he can he can light it up if he needs well, to I he'll, bet he'll throw you 96 97 if he needs to hey listen he's he'll a catch big you guy. Off guard with it yeah he's a well, big that, guy i said he's a big oh, guy is, man yeah. like you look at brendan mckay and listen when you watch Shohei Otani pitch, he's like this beautiful, wispy guy. Shohei looks like a pitcher, but can hit a ball really hard. Brendan McKay looks less like Shohei Otani and more like Ezekiel Elliott on a pitcher's mound. Like he looks, he looks like a pitcher, or he looks like a position player that's pitching, you know. But then when you yeah, watch him pitch, yeah, he, you're like, oh my gosh, he's really good. No, no, he, he's he's built more like Paul Goldschmidt. He's he's yeah. he looks like the first baseman. Yeah, he does. Um, like, even but, yeah, he's out there. Like he got yeah. pitching. Yeah, and I love it, man. But you know what's cool about Tampa Bay is, dude, they've got two two way guys right now. They got that guy named Tanner Dodson, and apparently, the Tampa Bay Rays have a shortstop like in the International League, which mm-hmm. is in Triple A with Durham, and they're letting him be an opener. This shortstop that's leading the International League in hitting, they're <laughs> he used to pitch like in high school or like. I don't know if he went to college for a couple of years or not, and they're letting him be an opener now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get this one-two punch of like, his name's Jacob. I wrote it down, Jacob Cronenworth. I wouldn't be surprised if you get him and he starts opening for Brendan McKay, and then you just get this one-two punch that's like Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty of the Rockers. You know, it's the greatest combo ever. Mm-hmm. Huh. Now, and the what makes it 
Tampa Bay has their top 20 prospects, or even further down, I'm looking for them now. Um, they finally put Taylor Walls, who I've been talking to you about on the phone a lot, that this kid is underrated. He wasn't even their top 31. All of a sudden, he shot to number 19. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the kid can flat out. He reminds me of uh, David Eckstein. Oh, um, I remember David Eckstein. He yeah. Is, he is grit. He will hit yeah. the holes. He will go. He, he will pull it. He, will, he hits holes in the outfield. He's not a power guy, but he can hit it you know, pretty hard into the outfield, and he, he's going to get singles and doubles. Um, he is quick on his feet defensively. His arm is average or above average, good enough. But, I mean, he's Tampa Bay has a scary, scary minor league system. Um, it's, you know, they, they got one of the most exciting catchers in baseball at this point, Renato Hernandez, who won the home run contest last year in single A. Then you got, you got uh, Jesus Sanchez, Brendan McKay, Brett Honeywell, Wander Franco, who – is going to probably be next year's overall number one prospect, my guess. Wander Franco, okay. um, shortstop. He is. They are their top four picks are fen, are phenomenal. Dude, and even this year, they're um. So this article on MLB uh, has the Tampa Bay Rays as having the second best draft this season. Like they just drafted second best, and they were like and a ninety-three win yeah. team last year. Like it's not like. They were a tanking team last season and still drafted. It's got the Diamondbacks is the first best draft this year. The Rays second, Dodgers third, Marlins fourth, and uh, yeah, that's yeah. And before this draft, it does not. If the Bray, if the Rays had a key injury in any position, player, any position, first, second, outfield, they have a player in the minors they can pull up right now for them and replace him. Yeah, they do. They, they have they have top prospects on every position whether it be shortstop outfield second catcher first base shortstop um multiple second basements they are loaded in in player positions heck yeah man dude i love the race like i am they're my alternate team like i love race baseball i love to watch them and i'm super excited about tampa bay man but hey i'll let you go because we're at 52 minutes and i know you got All stuff right. to do and i got stuff dude thanks for recording man dude we got to do this again because there's so much i feel like we didn't talk about um like, you probably have a ton of notes, and I probably have a ton of notes. So, we'll keep in touch after this, man. Do this again. But, dude, thanks right. for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Sounds good. All right, later, man. And that was the episode. Thank you so much for everybody that listened. Thanks again, Jonathan, for being on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And until next time, I know tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this, is Monday. So, I hope this burns approximately 55 minutes of your day and if you want to listen to it twice to really burn some time at work right now feel free to do it but other than that uh, i hope your team does good this week i hope i didn't jinx anyone's team because generally when i say something good about a team they do really bad so my apologies in advance and until then bon voyage we'll see you guys next time thanks for listening take care